0: And... Sound. To stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness <laughs> trends, treatments and experience. This is the
1: Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency.
2: If you're struggling to find the right friends for this season of your life, friendship coach and educator Danielle Bayer Jackson is here with tips to help you learn how to define and navigate your friendship landscape and connect with like-minded people. I'm director of podcast Taylor Camille and with the holiday season fast approaching, we thought what better time to ask what are our friends giving? and take a closer look at the challenges associated with notions of togetherness during this time of year and how we can feel empowered to enhance our friendships and start new ones year-round. Here's Danielle.
3: I am Danielle Byer-Jackson. I am a friendship coach and educator. So that means that I spend my days talking about the science, of friendship, uh, specifically with women's cooperation, communication, and conflict. And so far, it's been a, a really fun journey.
2: Yes. And we talked to you at the almost inception of this podcast, talking about how much we need our friends as we were really grappling with our connections in the thick of the pandemic. So it's great to have you back. And I would love to start with you defining friendship and all of its nuances, how you see it.
3: Yeah, it's so tricky because we, we tend to use you know differing language when we define what a friend is, but at the heart of it, it is a, a, a relationship where there's a mutual affection and support for one another. Mm. Now, what that looks like for you might vary, but most of us would agree that when you are with somebody who um, reciprocates your intentions, your affection, and your support,
2: then you consider each other friends hmm That's such a good, like, because it can be so, we can get all in the weeds, but that is such a good, just like, A plus B <laughs> equals friendship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. And I feel like the sentiment, especially as I've gotten older, um, is that, like, friendships are hard, or at least seem hard to develop as an adult. Why is that sort of the kind of universal feeling at the moment? Yeah, I hear
3: that often. You know, I think friendship's, in adulthood, certainly do offer new challenges. I think yeah. we often compare them to the nostalgia and ease of the past um, because, you know, we were in school. We were in a place saturated with our peers upon this backdrop where we saw them all the time. We clocked a lot of hours together. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, we are seeing each other in a space that's dictating When we work and when we play, when we go to class and then when we sit and have lunch. So our schedules are similar. We're clocking hours together and we're in a space filled with potential friends. Mm -hmm. So those ingredients Mm -hmm. together made it seem like friend making was a bit easier. Well, now as adults, we do have other things that uh, may complicate uh, the friend-making process. You know, for a lot of us, our schedules are now erratic. Some of us work nights or certain days of the week that are unconventional. Um, We have competing priorities. So you might be, you know, a new parent. And you're just trying to survive, you know, while you have friends who their, their priority right now is advancing in their career, which means Mm -hmm. they're going to travel a lot. Um, And also I think a lot of it could be, you know, a lack of time, which is a key ingredient of the friend making process. And then finally, I think some of us adopt the mindset that, you know, it's too late for me, if I'm if I'm being mm-hmm. honest, where we feel like, ah, you know, I should have made my friends in high school. And mm-hmm. what it is right now is what it always will be. So I think some of those mindsets um, make it challenging as well when we reveal that we don't totally feel a sense of optimism about uh, making new friends in adulthood. I, that's certainly going to complicate the process.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think something like what you touched on there was interesting of like, Friends that are in different stages of life. So how can you, if you're a new parent or if you are really career driven, what strategies do you have for people to find new friendships that kind of align with the stages that they are in their life so they don't have to like rely so much on old friends that might just not be on the same page right now?
3: Yeah. And I really appreciate you framing it that way because sometimes we're like, okay, we're in two different seasons. Maybe this Mm -hmm. friendship's over. I I don't know how, you know, the first thing I like to say is with existing friends, give yourself a little bit of grace. This is your first time being friends this way. So we were college friends, that whole environment, that context looked different. And so now with one of us having a baby, you're getting married. It's, going, it, it's different and we need to renegotiate the terms. What does friendship look like with our new conditions? So it would require work if you feel like the friendship's worth it to figure out how to sustain this because this is new for us both. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. one way to maybe maintain it with, with current friends. Um, but when it comes to like finding new friends for, for new stages, you know, first I want to emphasize there's research that shows that people who have relational diversity are happier. The reason mm-hmm. I lead with that is because I don't know that we should expect our, our key friends to give us all the things, you know? Mm-hmm. So you might need mom friends, work friends, you know, uh, friends who are our spiritual friends. And we can talk about that together, um, mm-hmm. instead of expecting all that from one person. And so, you know, there are, you know, apps now like Bumble for friends where it almost kind of expedites the process of finding your people, you know, and mm-hmm. has spaces where you can, um, use features like badges where you can say, I'm looking for other people who are new to town. I want to explore the city together. I'm looking for other, you know, parents and we can have play dates. So how do I go in a space where I can say, this is what I'm looking for in this season of my, you know, friendship, um, you know, landscape. And I need people who can offer me these things and people can kind of figure out, oh, I'm in that space too. And I need that kind of support and and affirmation from these kinds of people. So I think relational diversity is important. And now
2: there are a myriad of ways to connect with people who share the same uh, season. Hmm. Yeah. Technology makes a lot of our lives easier, for sure. Um, and just thinking about your experience, you used to be a high school teacher, now you're a friendship coach. And I feel like a lot of your work and um, kind of, yeah, the work that you do is about, you know, this commitment to helping women create meaningful sustainable relationships. But how did your experience and like all of your learnings kind of mold you into this person today?
3: Yeah. I always joke that it wasn't on my vision board when I was yeah. 10
2: to be, you
3: know, a friendship coach. It wasn't a thing, but you know, I was a high school teacher and I was working with 12th graders. So between class and after class, they were coming to me with their friendship issues. So I had a front row seat to how their issues with connection and belonging was affecting everything else. Their mood their competence, Mm. their energy in class, their academic performance, based on whether or not they felt connected um, and accepted by their peers, or if they were feeling ousted, rejected, marginalized. I saw the ripple effects up up front. And I did that for about six years. And then I got into public relations, and I'm dealing with these high-achieving women. And it took me a while to discover, oh, they privately are grappling with their own issues too. So it showed me at every stage, we're trying to figure out, how do I navigate platonic relationships, mm-hmm. my, and, and my own self-esteem and, and worth, because that plays a lot of, you know, big role in the relationships you form. Um, and so now I I lean into my background as an educator to study what the research has to say about those things. You know, for women specifically, why do we fight the way that we do? Why do we end friendships, you know, sooner and more often than men do? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Why, what are the dynamics when we're in a, a, a friend group And why does that feel different than when we're in dyads, you know, meaning one to one? You know, what makes us feel connected? What makes us feel like we're not getting supported? You know, so there's research on all of those things. And I really appreciate being in a space where uh, I can look at what the research has to say and then develop strategies that we can use in real life to have healthier friendships with one another.
2: Yeah. I don't know if you saw a recent. I'm still calling them tweets because there's no reason yeah. to call them anything else. But in a recent a tweet that was going viral, like maybe the last week or so, was like, why do girls go on girl trips with five friends and come back with two? And it's like, don't, don't do that. Classic. Like, yeah. Let us live.
3: Yeah, it can be. It can be tricky. The girls trips, especially like if you're taking a girls trip on the holidays, can be tricky. Um, But there are ways to to manage that. I think a lot of it, too, is we don't really talk about expectations because it feels like it'll kill the vibe. Mm. And we assume Mm. that, well, I like everybody and we're going to a fun location. So it's going to be a great time. But how we spend our money, what excursions we do. If you're expecting us to do everything together or do we get some alone time to kind of debrief, even though we care about one another, you know, are we, you know, pursuing romantic interests while we're here or is it girl like just for the girlies? You know, so having those conversations, I think, can buffer a lot of the tensions that tend to develop during, you know, those trips.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And if we're thinking like working remotely, it can be difficult to even have work friends. And I just wonder, like, what you're seeing in terms of p- how people feel maybe lonelier or how they are really trying to foster some new relationships in a world that doesn't really invite new connections or more connections. Yeah, if
3: you are listening and, you, and you're and you working remote and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, it feels kind of lonely. First, I just want to to validate that it is, it can feel very disconnected. Ironically, even though we can connect globally online, um, I just want to validate that. Um, There are also a lot of things happening culturally that work against us. And I like to start there Mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like this is a, a weight that you have to lift totally independently because there are things that are happening environmentally and culturally that... That make it kind of difficult. So it's not just on you. You know, there's a collapse of something called, you know, third places, uh, third spaces where we used to go to see one another. So the idea is that you have home, then you have work or school, and then you have that third place where it was like the library, Mm -hmm. the movie theater, and the bowling alley. And those places are collapsing. I would argue mm-hmm. into one place because at home I can do all those things. I can order my books mm-hmm. online. I can order my groceries to my door. I can watch a movie by myself, you know? So there's a lot that's happening culturally that has made it more challenging to get connected. Mm-hmm. And we used to have those things in place to help us facilitate some of those serendipitous moments where we're connecting with all the people. So I like leading with that. So you feel like it's not just you, there's some other things going around that are bigger than us systemically that need to change. Um, But if you are working remotely and you're like, how do I, how do I do this? You know, a couple of things. One is physically going and working among other people. So if you can, what's a nearby Mm -hmm. coffee shop and you can commit to working from this coffee shop every Friday for an hour, every Friday morning. And that's just what you're going to do with routine, because sometimes it's just about being among other people to to lessen feelings of isolation. So there's that. The next thing you can do is if you are in meetings online, you know, um, Zoom meetings and all that, you know, start to be a little more aware in these meetings. So um, being more aware in these meetings can look like, you know, if somebody asks a good question or makes a funny joke or something like that emailing them afterwards one on one to comment on that. So if they asked a question in the meeting, I might email them really quickly afterwards and be like, "Hey, thank you for asking that question because I was thinking it too, but I didn't have the courage to say it. So thanks for speaking up for, you know, those of us who are cowards." Haha, you know whatever it is. <laughs> but I'm trying to see if there's something here with this other coworker that is like friend adjacent. Like, can we have mm. a more personal rapport instead of just being in the Zoom all the time? If somebody says something funny, you know, sending an email right after the meeting, like, hey, okay, that was hilarious what you said to Joe. Thanks for being our resident comedian. Haha, You know, I'm not putting the pressure on, I need to turn them into a friend. But can I just right. make more connections in my day to day, trusting that a natural byproduct of that behavior will be friendships, right? Right. So taking the pressure off of developing every connection into a friendship, how can I just position myself more intentionally to have more connections? Um, And then finally, you know, maybe if you can't get all your connections from work, what else are you doing for yourself? So maybe you're in the house from nine to five, but how else are you socializing your interests? Because a lot of them can Mm -hmm. be done independently. So if it's watching movies, crocheting, walking your dog, painting, all of that can be done alone. So I'll challenge you the things that are your interests that you could do alone, how could you socialize them by one degree? Is it getting a friend to come and do it with you or getting a friend to come and sit with you while you do the thing? Can you join interest groups? I know we kind of roll our eyes because we hear that all the time, but they work. <laughs> they work. Yeah. You know, so, do. you know, outside of work, how can you socialize your interests and then trust that that will lead to forming genuine, authentic uh,
2: friendships? Right. Yeah. I was talking to a friend the other day about this. Like, being adult, you have to really proactively do all the things that were kind of done for you as a kid. Mm -hmm. So, like, your parents might have put you in Girl Scouts or piano class or, you know, you have volleyball after. And it's like, now you have to figure out when you're going to work out. You have to figure out when you're going to make little friends. And you have to, like, proactively do all the things that were probably done for you as you were growing up. So, it's just it's just fun. This yeah, you were really absolutely right. We did have people coaching us
3: through. So when people are like, "Man, it's so difficult." I think we're realizing that a lot of our connections were facilitated by other groups, institutions, other people, and now you have to do it by yourself. And so, I know some people like to say like, oh, "I just feel like it, you know, should happen organically, you know." And I I can respect that. Um but there's actually research, a uh, research study where they asked people, "Do you believe that friend making should be easy, natural and organic?" Or do you expect that it might take work? They followed these people over a span of five years. The people who said that it should be easy, natural, and organic were reporting greater feelings of loneliness than people who said, I expect it might take work. So right mm-hmm. there, take on the the idea that I'm going to have to strategize a little bit for these relationships the way I would anything else and trusting it'll totally pay off. Yep, Exactly yep
2: a little you gotta have some skin in the
0: game okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back
2: I wanted to kind of touch on what you mentioned, those those feelings, those weird feelings we might have of like, I should have already had these friends, or you know, I feel guilty that I'm almost like looking for new friends because I don't feel fulfilled in my existing friendships. How can we kind of break down those feelings and um, that confusion that we can feel about our friendships as we age? You know, it's it's so
3: funny because I think a lot of us know intellectually our friendships will change. Like we would all agree with that. But when it's happening, it is painful Mm -hmm. and we're confused. And, you know, what does this mean for the friendship? And friendships are going to evolve. You know, there's even research that shows that um, we replace half of our friends every seven mm-hmm. years, which means that there's like this natural pruning that happens in the life cycle of your friendships. Now, some of us are, are fortunate enough to have friendships that that grow and blossom, and they shape shift according to you know each of our individual you know growth paths. But um, but that change is going to happen. I think a couple things could be helpful. One is to anticipate change, Mm -hmm. to determine the friendship where you're willing, it feels worth it to you to do the work, the mental labor of figuring out, okay, how can we see one another? How can we, you know, stay um, connected despite, you know, varying interests in in different life paths. Um, So that's helpful too. Um, And then also if you have a a friendship where it's no longer fitting uh, and you've tried uh, to not internalize. The dissolution of a friendship, mm-hmm. because a lot of us, especially women, we tend to think, okay, what's wrong with me? Am I failing again? Am I not a good friend? Am I not interesting enough? Am I not? So we begin to internalize it when those relationships do end. Um, but it's not always a reflection of the ways in which you are inadequate. It could just be due to a lot of other reasons that are outside of your control. And the question would be to ask yourself, you know, what can I learn from this? I know it feels corny, but what can I be grateful for during the time we were together? What lessons did I learn about myself, Mm -hmm. about relationships that I'm eager to apply when I begin to position myself
2: to invite new connections into my life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Really great tips. And the anticipating change hits home for sure. It's like, okay, it's coming. How can I brace myself? Thinking back to the app that you mentioned, um, obviously, I feel like a lot of us are aware of Bumble for romantic relationships. And so how can we approach looking for friends differently? Like what should we be doing that, like we might not do when we're looking for partnership? And then, what are some things that we should be looking for in terms of green flags and red flags, which I feel like we're really well versed in romantically, but sometimes for friends, it can be trickier.
3: Yeah. Well, the first thing is stop feeling like it's cringe to be intentional about seeking friends. I mean, I think the same way back in the day, it used to be strange and foreign to us to be online looking for Mm -hmm. love. I think that same thing is kind of happening with friendship, but, you know, Bumble does these really in-depth surveys and they found that, you know, more than one third of people have found their friends online Mm -hmm. and Gen Z is kind of leading the pack. I think it's about 67% of Gen Z is saying, Oh yeah, I make my friends online. Yeah. You know, so it's it's more normal than we think. So if there's any part of you that feels uncomfortable, a little embarrassed by the idea yeah. of, of looking for friends and leveraging technology to help you do that, go ahead and shake that off because we're all out there <laughs> trying to figure this out, yeah. right? Um, it's also helpful for people who are, you know, I've heard stories of people who are in a certain city and they're like, man, I, I'm looking for people who are like me and I don't see myself represented. This app is putting them in touch with people in their local area. They're like, okay, we're in the shared community. That's helpful. Or nurses who have really unconventional mm-hmm. hours. So you can kind of figure out, okay, how can I connect with people? So it's been helpful for a lot of different ways and for people looking for different things in community. Um, I think when you do start you know, sharing, whether it's a technological space or if you're getting out there in the real world and, and trying to find new connections and you want to know, okay, is this healthy? Is this, what are the green flags? Um, I think a couple things to look for is, one, do you feel like you can be yourself at the, at the risk of sounding reductive? Now at the beginning of any friendship, you're kind of you're Put you're, on kind of a show. On. Yeah. you're kind of yeah. Yeah. humor, you know, what 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 what's her vibe? What's she cool with? Um, for some of us, political leanings, which is a whole other issue. So we're we're to some extent we're on because yeah. we're trying to abide by certain social norms and get to know one another. But uh, you know, listen to how this person talks about other people. Does it feel kind of critical, judgmental, things like that? Because that's obviously going to make you feel like you have to measure your words and that you're on right. Guard. Um, another big thing is follow, uh, people who follow through with what they say they're going to do from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So people who say, oh yeah, I'll send you a link to that thing that we talked about. Or yeah, okay. I'll text you tomorrow. The people who actually send you the link and text you tomorrow, that's something you can really work with moving Mm -hmm. forward because that's like a a basic fundamental thing that we need to build a friendship on. And, you know, trust is a big word, but it starts with reliability Mm -hmm. And, and those little things help me see, oh, this person I can trust. They're going to follow through with what they said. So that's a big thing as well. Um, And then people who are, for the most part, positive people. Now, you know, one benefit of friendship is you have somebody you can take your troubles to. That's one of the benefits, Mm -hmm. right? But you know, there's research from the Gottmans who are popular relationship experts, and they found that the most successful relationships have a positivity to negativity ratio of five to one. So meaning for every one negative thing that goes down, you guys have five positive interactions to outweigh Mm -hmm. that. So to some extent, we don't want to build a friendship off of complaining or the person we don't like that we have in common or the things that we Mm -hmm. hate. We want to focus on what do we have in common? How can we share joyful experiences together? You know, when I leave this interaction, do I feel kind of good and energized or do I feel kind of exhausted? That was a lot of work. You know, so some of those things can help us see if this is something we want to continue to investment in it invest in and if that investment will kind of pay off.
2: Yeah. Those are also just great tips for reevaluating your relation, your existing relationships too. Like, do I feel drained when I leave this person or do I feel like, you know, inspired, reinvigorated? Um, Definitely necessary to remind ourselves. And I think the, the next thing I want to talk about is The looming holiday season, like as we're making new friends or pursuing new relationships, is there a sense of like, it's too soon to invite this person to my friend's giving or like, how do we, yeah, how do we navigate, I guess, like these first friend dates and events?
3: Okay. So the first thing, so we can talk tangibles, but I want to start with the mindset thing. is a lot of us hold back with the ideas that we have with the desires that we have to connect and things like that, because we want some kind of guarantee that the other person's equally interested and that it will be received well. Rejection is painful. There's research that shows that the same place in our brain that lights up when we are socially rejected is the same place in our brain that lights up when we are physically rejected Mm. or when we are physically harmed. So rejection is painful. Mm -hmm. And in order to protect ourselves against rejection, we just don't take any risk. But The consequences of that is a dry inbox, an empty Friendsgiving table, you know? And so one thing before you even like jump out there is to to start to look at things differently. I need you to tell yourself, I am a connector. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. It's not something I'm trying on. It's not something I do sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's who I Mm -hmm. am. So me reaching out to people to say, hey, I'd like to hang out with you again. Or a couple of us are getting together for Friendsgiving. Nothing big, but I'd love to see you there. I'm doing that because it's an extension of who I am. I'm embodying being a connector as an identity. So it's consistent with who I am to reach out, whether you say yes Mm -hmm. or not, because I think you're interesting and I'm curious about you. So I'm going to pursue that. And there's something about that that's, you know, in a platonic sense, attractive people who are confident and they're like, I want you here. You should come over. We should get together. You know, is there a risk that there will be people who are not as interested or don't have the availability? Sure. But that is data that you need to know where to be best investing your time. So either way, it's a win-win, right? right? So that's the first thing is you're a connector. So inviting people and, and taking initiative is what you do. The second thing would be, you know, when it comes to the holidays, it does feel like a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. right? You, I don't think social media Helps, you know, when you have, you know, things to compare it to, you see everybody else going to multiple Friendsgivings and then you look at your reality and you're like, gosh, I only have one or two people I could call. So, you know, the first thing is be careful about comparing your reality to the ideal. What, what in your brain, what messages have you downloaded about how Friendsgiving should look, Mm -hmm. how Christmas ought to look, how your friend groups should look right now and getting curious, like interrogating some of those ideas. Where did I get that? From TV? From social media? Like where did it say I need to have a table filled with 10 people in two weeks? Where did I get that from? Mm -hmm. So first questioning where you even downloaded those messages. Um, And then the next thing is uh, being really intentional about it looking however you want it to look, which should excite you. Friendsgiving can look however you want. It doesn't have to be a table filled with people you've known 10 years and now you're like, oh gosh, I have some friendships that have faded out. It can be somebody you met at the gym two weeks ago and you think she's cool and you're just going to throw it out there. You'd be surprised, I think, by how many people say yes Mm -hmm. because we all love to be invited and we might not have plans. So be careful about scripting that for other people. Oh, she probably already has. She probably, you know. So giving people a chance to say yes, I think is really helpful during the holiday season. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I know. Not, I, and I felt this way even just in planning a recent birthday. It was like, who will show up? <laughs> like, oh, <just> yeah. <laughs> don't assume there's yeah, an automatic no. Is, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> send the invite and then plan accordingly for who says yes and and, and go from there. Um, but we can definitely talk ourselves out of, out of the yes, yeses that are out there. So great tip. Um, you have a book coming out soon, and I, I'd love to, or that you're working on, and I'd love to hear more about that and what people can expect from from that.
3: Yeah, I'm so excited about it. And I I didn't really plan to have a book until people on TikTok were like, you know, I'd make videos, and they're like, "All right, I'm over here waiting on your book." And I'm like, Haha, oh, "Oh, interesting. Wait. Maybe I should have." <laughs> That's a great right. idea. Um, so the idea of the book is to it's it's titled "Fighting for Our Friendships," and it's about. Why women's friendships are so deep yet so fragile? Why is that? So it's my mm-hmm. attempt to explain that. Um, and then there's a section that's very practical. So we go through the nine most common conflicts we hear women express. What's going on under that? You know, how do mm-hmm. I see my girl for my girl instead of starting to just see her as. The flaky friends, the negative friends, the love obsessed mm. friend. she becomes reduced in my eyes sometimes when I start to get upset with her. she just mm-hmm. becomes the flaky friend. But what's really going on that I haven't I haven't considered? And then finally, what are some signs that that friend is me? you know because in mm. somebody else's experience, you are the flaky friend. you are the negative friend for being real. So how right. do I cultivate healthier friendships? While looking at my friend's perspective a little more compassionately, and then also very realistically assessing myself and saying, what do I need to change so I can have a healthier experience and people can experience me in a better way? Um, So that's the goal. It comes out in May, uh, but I think pre-orders are live now, but we're just excited to get something in people's hands to get us talking a little bit about this Mm -hmm. with a little more nuance and to get us equipped to have healthier relationships.
2: Yeah. And also that self-reflection, super important. Super yes, uncomfortable, important. but so necessary. Uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've brought up so many examples about how friendships, positive or negative, can affect us. But I would just love your kind of closing thoughts on, um, yeah, does friendship contribute to our health? And how can positive friendships specifically contribute to our well-being? Yeah, and I love this question because we don't talk about friendship
3: enough, in my opinion, from a wellness perspective. And yeah. friendship is so much more than having people to go to brunch with. Like that's fun, but it's so much more than that. And so, you know, there's a a recent uh, study out of Harvard. They conducted the longest running study on happiness over eighty years, and they found that the number one thing. That impacts your overall well-being and life satisfaction is the quality of your relationships. It wow. keeps coming down to this. And so I like to kind of anchor our conversations in that one, you know, statistic to help us see uh, the magnitude of, mm-hmm. of friendship and its effects The quality of your relationships will determine how happy you are and how long you live. And it really is that serious. And so I think that should help motivate us to prioritize it instead of pushing it into the margins of our lives. Like, oh, I'll get to it when I can. Mm
0: -hmm. Or just reducing
3: it to like, oh, I'll go to brunch. Well, what do your conversations look like? Do you feel like you can be vulnerable there? Do you have people who affirm you? Do you Mm -hmm. feel like you can be yourself? Are you learning new things and that excites you? You know, what, what does the friendship feel like? Do you feel safe to bring up conflict or how they made you uncomfortable? Because you trust that that conversation will bring you closer? Or do you feel like that person's going to punish you and get defensive? So you keep it to yourself, which brings you anxiety and and stress. So what do your friendships look like? How can you be in a place where they are healthy? They feel like quality relationships because uh, apparently that's the, the
2: substance of life. Yeah. Wow. All the data. I can't. Like, of course, that's the case. Um, yeah. Clearly, we need our friends. Um, we need our friends. Yes. We need our friends. Um, Danielle, thank you so much. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you're like, I really want to share this or? need to know. The
3: last thing I, I guess I'd want to say is just to encourage people because I know the holidays um, can feel really isolating. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the weather changes. It's cold outside. It's darker for longer periods of time. We stay inside because it's cold. Uh, we have all these images of what holidays should look like. You know, as we get into, you know, Christmas and the new year when you're resolving to do things differently you know friendship is top of mind right now for a lot of people and i just want to encourage the person who feels like it's too late for them or they feel like they just can't get friendship right to maintain a certain level of optimism that it is never too late and that you have not even yet met all of the people who will love you you have not even met them yet And I feel like that is a fact, not a feel-good mantra. That is a Mm -hmm. fact. And I hope that that gives people a certain level of motivation and optimism to keep pressing forward.
2: Yeah. Beautiful. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Danielle Byer jackson Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille and edited by our friends at Edit Audio. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lekomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.